This Faith and Finance podcast is underwritten in part by Hope for Zambia, empowered by Family Legacy. Hope for Zambia, empowered by Family Legacy, is a ministry providing holistic care for over 14,000 vulnerable and orphaned children, spiritually, intellectually, physically, and emotionally. Whether distributing 5 million meals each year to children and young adults, or by empowering students to graduate from high school and go on to pursue trade school or a university education, Hope for Zambia believes that when you educate a child, you transform their world. Go to Hope for Zambia.com slash faith to give and change lives. Zambia has one of the highest orphan rates in Africa with 1.2 million children growing up without a parent. Hi, I'm Rob West. The numbers seem daunting. One out of every five children in Zambia is an orphan. But one group is laboring mightily to bring that number down, one success story at a time. Today, I'll talk with Mario Zanstra about that, and then it's on to your calls at 800-525-7000. 800-525-7000. This is Faith and Finance, biblical wisdom for your financial journey. Well, we're particularly delighted to have Mario Zanstra with us again today. He's president and CEO of Family Legacy Missions International, a ministry focused entirely on helping Zambia's orphans. And today, Mario is reporting in all the way from Zambia. Mario, great to have you with us. It is great to be with you in this beautiful country. I know it is. I've been right where you are, and man, I wish I was there right now. I know exciting things are happening there in Lusaka, Zambia, with Family Legacy Missions. Mario, uh, you all, of course, help to feed and educate hundreds and hundreds of orphans each year. But right now, you have a special summer program going on. So why don't we start there? Tell us about it. So we have a program called Camp Life, and over the course of five weeks, we're going to have a little over 250 Americans come here, and they're actually going to become camp counselors to 2,400 kids that are going to come to the hilltop from the slum compounds throughout Lusaka. That's incredible, and I know it's an amazing experience what goes on there. Uh, Tell us a little more uh, about what you all do for these children. Of course, they're going to have a blast there at the hilltop, but the ministry is much more comprehensive in terms of how you're engaging and serving them. Absolutely. We, We want to holistically care for these children. So for every child that comes, we want to impact them spiritually, physically, emotionally, and intellectually. Spiritually, of course, it's sharing the gospel with them. It's inviting them to have a relationship with Jesus. Physically, we're feeding them. We're providing medical care for them. And for a lot of our kids, the meal we give them uh, doubles the number of meals that they might get in a day. On top of that, we help them unpack their trauma. And then all of that is on the platform of an education. We have 22 schools and 14,000 students throughout Lusaka, Zambia. Mm, Wow. You mentioned they're coming out of the slums. Paint a picture of what life is like for them. Yeah, for a lot of these kids, uh, they're living with a caregiver that may not be their parent. In most cases, there's not a dad around. Uh, the men have actually become absent. And they, the average income for the caregivers of our kids is about $1.25 a day. Zambia is one of the poorest countries in the world, and 100% of our kids live below the global poverty line. Not Africa, not Zambia, the global poverty line. 
Mm, wow. And obviously you're meeting their physical and their spiritual needs. Uh, give us a sense. You mentioned the Americans that are there, more than 250 of them. Give us a sense of how they're engaging in ministry with Zambia's orphans. So as we bring them here, we invite them to engage incarnationally with uh, these beautiful kids. They get to look at them eyeball to eyeball. And, uh, and you know, as they're all vulnerable kids, uh, they get a chance to see what's going on in the world. They we give them questions to ask these kids that are appropriate questions to help kind of unpack what's going on in their world. And then we have uh, breakout sessions that with these kids within a big group session. There's music, there's singing, there's skits. It's like a camp experience, but it's all done with the biblical backdrop. And the idea here is, is that they would understand some of the great stories of Scripture and how it would impact the way they think and live. Yeah, it's incredible. Mario, obviously a lot of folks listening, they may have a chance to go in a future summer uh, to Zambia, and we'll tell them more about that in the days ahead. But what can they do right now to get involved in this great work? That's a great question, Rob. One of the great ways you can make a difference is helping our kids that lost their sponsorship during the COVID crisis. And so we're raising scholarship funds to keep them in school. And if you want to be able to help them by helping them be impacted by the gospel, to be fed, to get medical care, unpack trauma, and be educated, you can actually give monthly to hopeforzambia.com slash faith. That's great, Mario. Well, I know there's a lot more to come in the days ahead as we continue to talk about all that God is doing through Family Legacy, but we appreciate you taking a few minutes today all the way from Lusaka, Zambia, to check in with us. God bless you, Mario. Thank you, Rob. I appreciate it. If you'd like to provide hope to children in Zambia by investing in their education, spiritual growth, and physical well-being, check out hopeforzambia.com slash faith. That's hopeforzambia.com forward slash faith. Your calls are next, 800-525-7000. I'm Rob West, and we'll be right back. Are you searching for a way to become a better, faithful steward of the resources that God has given you? Well, download the FaithFi app and join the 37,000 others who are already using our app. The FaithFi app will provide you with wisdom, community, and simply help you stay on track with your finances. We have three money management options to choose from, so find an option that fits your unique needs. It's available on desktop or mobile. Simply go to faithfi.com and click app to get started. When we follow Jesus, the things of this world grow strangely dim. We focus less on ourselves and more on God's kingdom. In Michael Blue's book, Free to Follow, we're reminded to surrender everything to Jesus and follow Him. Free to Follow explores what the Bible says about money and possessions and challenges you to rethink the way you view and use them. Request a copy of Free to Follow with your gift of any amount to faithfi.com slash follow. Welcome back. This is Faith and Finance. I'm Rob West. We're taking your calls today, 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. By the way, you don't have to call. Just send an email, askrob at faithfi.com. That's askrob at faith, the letters F-I dot com. Uh, let's begin today uh, with Albert in Coral Springs. Albert, go right ahead. Thank you for taking my call. Yes, sir. Got a question. 
maybe you can help me clear things up a little bit. I bought a commercial property uh, several years back, and last year I sold that commercial property. I bought the commercial property under my name, and I sold the commercial property last year, and the money that I got out of that, I was advised to put that, put that money into a 1031 exchange. Okay. So when I get that money there, I was able to use that money to invest in another property. When the money got there, I had a couple of, couple of loans that I wanted to take care of it, pay that off. So the, the amount re- decreased. So I borrowed some additional fund to me under my name to help me purchase the next property. So the money that I borrowed, some of that money went to the 1031 exchange to meet the need to invest in another property. But I bought more than I needed it. So $200,000 was left over, and I had another 100000 on my personal account, and I purchased a property. Now, my question is, they telling me that the property that I purchased, I cannot use as a personal use. It's for business only. That's right. Yeah, so in order for uh, it to qualify for a 1031 exchange, it cannot be your primary residence. So it has to be for business or investment purposes. Personal residences do not qualify as a like-kind property, which is what's required for a 1031 exchange. Yeah, but the money that I that I got it out of the commercial account... I invested it, and it was just a portion of the money that I needed it that I borrowed from my loan that I took and put it to meet the requirements to pay it off the property that I invested on. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, it sounds like uh, clearly there's a number of moving pieces here. Do you have a CPA that you normally work with, Albert, to prepare your tax returns? Yes, I do okay. have it. And... Uh, and and they telling me that you know that transaction I can I cannot use that property for a only for for vacation two times or three times a year only, but I wanted to use it as a residence if I wanted to invest yeah. more time in it I could have you know yeah. yeah since I borrowed the money under my name and I used some of the money to invest in a, a commercial property that I purchased it. I figured that, you know, that money that I withdraw out of there, you know, was not going to be att- attached to the 1031. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, I wouldn't be able to give you a definitive answer on that. There's too many moving pieces here, and the IRS, the Internal Revenue Code here for a 1031 exchange is pretty specific, and I think you're going to have to kind of work through it with your tax professional. If they're telling you that it's not going to work, I would take that counsel. That would have been my uh, initial thought as well, although I'm not a CPA, so I I would trust uh, their counsel more than my own. So if that's what they're telling you, I would probably go with that. If you disagree, obviously you could get a second opinion uh, from somebody, you know, just given the number of moving parts here. Obviously, this wasn't a very straightforward transaction like it typically is. You typically sell an investment property. You'd, within the time frame required, uh, put that money into another investment property. And 
therefore kind of kick the can down the road on the capital gains tax. And when it's sold, you pay the tax unless you do another 1031 exchange. But obviously you have a lot of moving pieces here with money where you borrowed it and you used it. And now you want to convert it to a, a personal residence. And that's complicating things. I can just tell you based at face value, the IRS is very specific about 1031 exchange rules that it excludes personal residences. And therefore, uh, you know, that would not apply here. Um, and, and you wouldn't be able to do that. But uh, if you disagree with that, I, I would get a second opinion. But this is clearly something that needs the advice of a competent professional who can really look at the law, understand your situation, understand the IRS rules and regs and help you navigate it. So I would either go back to your CPA or, or some other CPA that can help you work through this. Unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to, to give you a definitive one way or the other, other than to say, I would probably tend to agree just from what I'm hearing about this, that uh, because there's a personal residence involved, it's not going to be possible. Uh, we appreciate you being on the program, though, sir. I'm, I'm confident you'll sort this out in due time. Uh, let's head to Washington. Justin, go right ahead. Hey, how's it going? I, uh, I'm doing great. I recently got, <laughs> glad to hear it. I um, recently come into some debt. I just got married. My wife is in Texas. We just had a daughter. And I, I purchased my house a few years ago, just over two years ago. And I'm just trying to weigh if I should sell the house, take the earnings, pay off a majority of my debt, or use me my HELOC loan as to supplement this transition I'll have to go through and try to rent the house out to get to continue to build equity and appreciation and sell it later since I'll have about three more years before I'll have to pay capital gains since I've lived in it for two. Yeah. Um, why are you trying to hang on? To, well, let me back up. So you bought this two years ago. You're newly married. You've got a daughter. Congratulations. Um, why are you selling it? Or do you all need more space? Are you looking to relocate? What? what why are you moving? Well, she is, she's geographically bound to Texas. So I have to come down there. There's no option for to bring her up here. Okay. All right. So you're relocating to be with your wife and you've got this property in another state, correct? Yes. Okay. And does she already own a home there that you're going to be moving into? No, we're, we're going to have to rent for a short period of time. Okay. So you're going to rent when you get to Texas. And then in what period of time would you expect to buy a home together? Uh, it de depends on the situation we're in and where rates are at. I, I'm okay. more comfortable renting. Okay. And what, what is this home worth that you, that you own right now? About two and a quarter and I owe roughly 160. The only appeal to keeping it because I'm locked into such a low rate, I won't really have an opportunity to invest in another rental property. Right. Uh, no, I, I understand that. Do you have other liquid savings? Not really. My car, maybe I could sell my car. I owe about 20 and it's worth 45 or so, but okay. But you don't all don't have really an, that route. You all don't have an emergency fund or anything like that? Not so much more than maybe two, three months. Okay. And are you contributing to a retirement plan or putting anything away for the long term? Like just into a normal savings account. 
Okay. Yeah. I mean, just based on what I'm hearing, Justin, I'd probably go ahead and sell this pre-recession, which most economists think we're headed toward, and the housing market will continue to come down slightly. Uh, get your equity out and put that in savings and be ready to buy that next house at the right time. I agree. Don't rush it. But I think as you're just starting out, based on what I'm hearing about your financial foundation, you're not quite in a position to be a landlord. I'd get this money out, and when you're ready to buy, I'd use this for the down payment. I wouldn't hang on to that house. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back on Faith and Finance. Stay with us. Hope for Zambia, empowered by Family Legacy, is a ministry providing hope to vulnerable and orphaned children in Zambia by investing into their spiritual, intellectual, physical, and emotional growth and well-being. Whether distributing 5 million meals each year to students or empowering them to graduate from high school and go on to pursue post-secondary education, we believe that when you educate a child, you change their world. Go to HopeForZambia.com faith to transform a life. We're grateful for support from Eventide Investments on the Faith and Finance Program. Eventide's approach to values-based investing is grounded in the belief that humankind was created in the image of God with intrinsic dignity, value, and worth. Eventide calls this investing that makes the world rejoice. More information is available at eventideinvestments.com. That's eventideinvestments.com. We're back. I'm Rob West, and this is Faith and Finance. Thanks for listening today. Thanks for taking the time. As we head into our calls and questions, I want to take a moment to ask you if you've downloaded the FaithFi app. You can use it on your desktop or your mobile device. All right, let's head to the phones. By the way, if you have a question, just call 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. Let's head, uh, well, we'll stay in Washington State. John, go right ahead, sir. Yes, I uh, had a couple of quick questions. One is, um, is it better to do your banking with a credit union uh, as compared to a bank? And secondly, um, is holding gold uh, very secure in a totally digital economy? Uh, yeah, let's deal with that first question first. Um, you know, there's really no difference, in my opinion, on a credit union versus a bank. Uh, Both are going to be federally insured. Uh, Banks by the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, the FDIC, up to 250,000, backed by the full faith and credit of the United States government. Uh, Credit unions, in the same way, um, have backing through the NCUA, the National Credit Union Share Insurance Fund, which is, again, backed by the full faith and credit of the United States government, the same 250,000. So I I don't really... uh, think there's a it's beneficial to be in one versus another now not every credit union is with the NCUA some of them are privately insured with a state charter so you just want to check that I'd prefer you be with the NCUA but I don't have a preference one over the other um, in terms of gold I mean I, I think uh, hard assets are always going to have uh, value uh, it's a store of value that's really what what gold and the precious metals are versus our fiat currency, which is just backed by the 
you know, credit of the United States. Um, so I think there's always a place for it. I think the concern is when folks, you know, in, in the midst of these conversations and there's, you know, a lot of fear and, you know, what ifs going on. And I realize there are some real challenges on the horizon with the debt levels in this country and talking about digital currencies. I'm not a fan of a central bank digital currency because of the uh, just loss of privacy and potentially controls uh, over uh, the currency when it's running, when every transaction is running through the Fed with a digital dollar. So I'm not a fan. But when we start having those conversations and play out the what ifs, people start making rash decisions like pulling out of the bank, exiting the stock market, putting everything in gold. And I don't think personally that's the right approach. Uh, I would, you know, keep your money in the bank. I'd keep invested with a stock and bond portfolio and keep your allocation to gold, maybe five to 10%. But beyond that, uh, you know, I think the, um, you know, gold will, will definitely have a, a place and real value regardless of whether we're in a, uh, paper or a digital currency. Okay. Um, uh, you know, the reason I ask about credit unions is it's been my understanding that the credit unions don't tend to overextend themselves like banks do. And so they're more stable. I don't know how true that is, but that's been my understanding. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't say that that's um, necessarily true. I think it really just comes down to each institution. Uh, there are going to be banks that are very well managed and some that aren't, like we saw with Signature and Silicon Valley Bank. Uh, the same will be true with a credit union. Some will be very well managed and others, you know, can certainly have mismanagement. So I think uh, as long as you're not in a, a regional bank or credit union like Silicon Valley, where it's highly concentrated in one type of customer that happened to be very dependent upon liquidity and, you know, lots of free cash that, and then they mismanaged their portfolio with regard to their treasury holdings. Um, you know, that's what led to that uh, problem that, you know, has spilled over into a few other regional banks, but seems largely contained. But I, I wouldn't say that uh, credit unions are necessarily more safe uh, than banks. It's really going to come down to each individual institution. Okay. Well, thank you very much. All right, John. Thanks for calling today. We appreciate it. Uh, 800-525-7000. We've got two lines open to Naperville. Hi, Lisa. Go right ahead. Thanks for taking my call, Rob. I just need some uh, insight here, what I need to do. I just re uh, retired recently for about three months and started collecting my Social Security benefits. Um, I don't have a mortgage. I own a home. I'm debt-free. Um but I have this two retirement 403B uh, from my uh, retirement from previous employer, about 335 and about another employer, which is 401K, and also like about the same amount, 335. Now I have this bank that I've been banking for a long time that's uh, asking me if I would like to roll over into an IRA some of my money. And... Uh, I, what I'm thinking is I probably would need about 1500 you know, or 2000 a month on top of my Social Security just to live comfortably. Yes, so, I'm, yeah, do you think it's a good idea to pull out some of my money from my 401k? 
Yeah, I, I do. I think that's that's why you saved it so that it could be converted to an income stream in this season of life. And I'm delighted to hear that uh, you're debt free and uh, this really positions you well to live modestly within your income and pursue whatever God has for you next. Um, if you don't mind me asking, Lisa, between the two retirement accounts, the 401k and the uh, the 403b with your previous employers, what do you have in, in both of those combined? Uh, we lost some money, you know, from the market about sure. 335, you know, in one about like same 333 in the other one. So, so about, about 650,000. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's after the market's decline, correct? Correct. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you said you need about how much per month? I, one, uh, 1500. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're in great shape uh, because here's the thing though, that port, those portfolios are going to recover with the market and you need to take a long-term perspective. You know, once you reach retirement, if you're in good health and the Lord tarries, you need this money to last for decades. So we don't really care about the economy later, you know, the recession later this year, we're looking 10, 20 years out. Uh, this is a lot of money. You worked hard for it. Despite the fact your bank has big plans for it, I wouldn't do that. I would uh, find an advisor to manage this for you, and you will be able to easily take out thirteen to 1500 a month. I'd say you could go up as high as 2000 2100 and you should be able to maintain that six fifty that will grow probably back to 700 So I'd look for a certified kingdom advisor and stay on the line. I'll tell you how to do that off the air. And that's going to do it for us today. I really appreciate your time taking time to listen to this program and to committing the principles we talk about each time to your financial life. If you're not yet one of our financial partners, but would like to be, would you visit our new website, faithfi.com? Make plans to join us again next time. I'll be here and I hope you will be too for another edition of Faith and Finance. Faith and Finance is provided by FaithFi and listeners like you.